Hello and welcome to the Victory and Labang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series, Hope Has Come. Together, we'll discover what the birth of Jesus means for us, the time and the reason for His coming. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hope has come. Everybody say, hope has come. And the hope here that we have been talking about is Jesus Himself. Appreciate the sermon last uh, week, Pastor June. Can we just give Dr. June Eskosar a round of applause? Thank you for that wonderful sermon on uh, adoption. Where I'm going to be continuing actually, uh, picking up from where he left off, still about adoption as heirs um, of God. And so I know that <clears throat> we're, we're pretty much familiar with family because we're kind of strong with his family. But I hope that we'll be able to appreciate the benefits that we have as children of God. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll go ahead and jump into the Word. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 is our text uh, this afternoon, uh, verses 1 to 7. Galatians 4, 1 to 7. You may open your Bible, your you know regular Bible or your electronic Bible, and I'd like for you to stand up with me as we give reverence to God's Word uh, this afternoon. Galatians chapter 4 beginning from verse 1 until verse 7. We'll all read uh, verse 7 in unison. I'll just read 1 to 6 by myself. You can follow along with me. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as what? Sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's all read it together. One, two, three. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for our time this afternoon. Bless the preaching of your word. And I thank you that you will give us a greater understanding and appreciation of what it is for us to become children of God, sons and daughters of the King, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Bless the preaching of your word. May it transform our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to say, Amen. You may all be seated. All right. How many of you remember that uh, series that we've had previous to this, which is Imago Day? Do you remember that Imago Day? How many of you are convinced that everyone, all people on the earth, all people on the planet, are made in the image of God? Amen. Okay. Everyone, everybody has been made in God's image. Look at the person beside you. Lord. Okay. Not physically, but internally. Okay. There's 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 an aspect of God in each and every one of us. But I want to submit to you today, though everyone has the image of God stamped in himself, not everyone is called a son of God. There's a big difference. All people have been made in the image of God, Imago Dei, but not all are sons of God. Now, how do we become a son of God then? I'm not talking about the capital S, son from Dava, okay? You know, children of God, sons and daughters of the Lord. You know, of course, when I talk about sons, uh, women, 
uh, are included here as well. Okay, uh, The Apostle Paul used the term sonship. He is in no way trying to exclude women here. Of course, he's referring to daughters himself. Okay, All the women would say, Amen. Okay, So you're part of this. So when you talk about sons and daughters too, okay, in the same way that when we talk about bride of Christ, I'm talking to the men as well. Okay, so kasama rin yung mga lalaki sa bride of Christ. Okay, so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, you are all sons of God through how? Through faith in whom? In Christ Jesus. That's the only qualification of us becoming sons of God. Everybody's been made in the image of God. By birth, you have been created in God's image. But by rebirth, you have been made to be a son and rebirth or reborn into the image, or sorry, into the family of God. And I hope that we don't get confused there because, you know, this is the beauty and the benefit that we have because of what Jesus Christ did for us. He came here 2,000 years ago. He was born in a manger. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But we don't stop there. This is only the beginning. The beginning of the Christmas story is that this child that was born, who was born in a manger, grew up and lived the life that we should have lived. He actually lived the law perfectly for us so that he can live it out for us. And then he died the death he should have died, went to the cross, and paid the penalty for our sins. Resurrected from the dead, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. The whole story is really our story. He did it for us. In regeneration, God gives us a new spiritual life from within. And how many of you would actually say that you are born again? You have a new life. Please raise your hand. You are a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Okay? If you are born again, then you are sure. You know, I, we had a reunion uh, earlier this month. One of my classmates was asking me, uh, Ariel, how, how, how sure are you that you are going to heaven when you die? I said, I'm, I'm super sure. I'm super positive. You know, and I, I don't, I, I, I to explain to him, I'm not meaning to say this as a form of arrogance or overconfidence, but it's just that I am standing in the, on the word of God that says that I am a child and I am accepted and I've been forgiven and I'm going to spend eternity with him. And I'm going to you today that we can be sure. We can be sure about our eternal destiny. Amen. Once a son, always a son. He will not kick you out from the family. It takes a while for you before you start, talaga? Because I know some people, they're being kicked out of their own families. We have a good, good father. That's who he is. We sang about that song. And you are loved. That's who you are. And I'm going to explain more about that later on. In justification, God gives a right legal standing before Him. Justified, never sinned. That is what justification is all about. But in adoption, God makes all of us part of His family. J.I. Packer said this, The essence of Christianity is this, if we don't refer or relate to God as our Father, if we don't view ourselves as children of God, then we don't understand the Christian faith at all. If you don't see yourself as a child of God, if you only see yourself as somebody who's forgiven, 
If you only see yourself as somebody who's been, you know, redeemed, yes, I am no longer a slave, yes, but to be a son, I can't accept that. If you can accept that reality and truth, then you don't have a very good view or clear view of Christianity at all. The reason why God sent His Son is not just to forgive mankind of their sins, it's so that He can form a family for Himself, so that we can all become children of God. John Piper said this, the gospel is not a picture of adoption. Adoption is a picture of the gospel. When you talk about adoption, it is so accurate that all of us have been adopted into the kingdom of God. And that is the good news. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be accepted. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to become part of the family of God. We don't deserve to become heirs with Christ. But yet God, by His mercy and grace and love, adopted us, chose to love you. Look at the person beside you. Yes, that person. And the other person. Look at the person on your right. Okay. Yes, that person. He chose to love that person to your right and to your left and you. You got to accept that reality. And all of us have been given that privilege if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Adoption means the placing of a son or a daughter into a family. I realize that, you know, sometimes people, you know, there are orphans we have, you know, in our society, a lot of orphans. And, you know, we're one of our uh, NGO that we're supporting as a ministry is uh, what you call kids with purpose. And, um, you know, they're, they're an orphanage. And they are children who are longing and waiting for someone to adopt them. And, you know, the journey of an orphan is really very tough. But, you know, it's an, an opportunity for us as a church to be able to help uh, this particular ministry in, in their, you know, desire to take care of orphans. In fact, in, uh, uh, in the book of James, true religion is this, according to the brother of James, that you take care of orphans and widows in their times of distress. But you know, our Father is one that adopts us. He does not want us to have an orphan spirit. He wants us to be adopted. In fact, one particular pastor that I was uh, listening to his testimony in the States, when he was adopting a couple of children, and he said, you know, I face a judge. And it, what's interesting is the way the judge would ask him about his commitment to his adoption for these two children. He's got biological children, but yet they felt like husband and wife, they wanted to add more to their family. And so the judge asked him, Mr. I'm going to say black, okay, Mr. So-and-so, and this is the actual situation, actual words shared by the judge. Do you understand that this child is as your own blood? What a powerful statement. What the judge was asking is, before you say yes to this, do you understand that the moment that you adopt this child, it's as if he came from your own loins. It's as if he came from your own genes, from your own blood. That's the picture of adoption. And that's what God did for us. By the blood of Jesus, we were adopted as sons and daughters. Amen. It was not free. Somebody paid for it. And he said this, the judge said to the, you know, to the pastor, 
Do you understand that you are responsible both legally and financially for this child? And he said, yes, I understand. And then the last question was this. Do you understand that this child has equal and legal standing with your other children and are therefore joint heirs of your estate? He said, we think about it. No, no, no. He, he said, yes, I understand. That is the picture of adoption. Imagine you as a parent. You have biological children and you decide to adopt somebody. That person now stands on equal footing with your other biological children. That's the nature of adoption. In fact, when the adoptive parents confirm their, uh, their responsibility for adoption, the judge will sign the documents officially making the child as part of the family. And it even reflects on the birth certificate of that child. In fact, I was talking to Attorney Patty this morning and he, she was explaining that even the former biological parents will cease to, you know, uh, have legal responsibility and financial responsibility over the adopted child. It will be severed from then on and the adopted child will now be part of the new legal family. That is what we have in Christ. Do you understand that? I mean, and our brother, our big brother is Jesus. And we're all, you know, we're all co-heirs with Christ. They're not placed, you know, adopted children are not placed at the bottom of the priority list in the family. In fact, in, in the Roman adoption laws, it, the, it is so distinct that when they would adopt somebody, he would be actually someone who's in, in fact, sometimes even superior over the other biological children. In fact, according to the Roman adoption laws, an adopted child was not inferior to the natural born child, a born child into the family. In fact, adopted children were often adopted because parents wanted a superior child to the ones they had. And for 200 years, the Roman Empire practiced adoption even among the emperors. That the emperors, because... The parents do not have heirs as sons. They would actually choose uh, sons and they would adopt them and they eventually became emperors. Augustus was one of them. Tiberius, Caligula, Nero, Marcus Aurelius to name a few. Adoption and the Apostle Paul is using the Roman law picture here as he was explaining the book of Galatians and the book of Romans that when you are adopted, into a family, in, in, fa in this case, the family of God, you get a lot of inheritance. And that's the benefit of us being children of God. Amen? Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? And there's a big difference between an adopted child as well and stepchildren. An adopted child, both parents are taking responsibility legally. For that adopted child, for as a stepchild, only the natural parent is the one who's legally responsible. But the one who married the the the, the stepdad or the stepparent uh, has no responsibility at all for the stepchild. In the kingdom of God, there are no stepchildren. Amen. Praise God. We are all adopted sons and daughters of God, and therefore what? 
heirs of God. We're heirs of God. Hindi heirs of God, okay? Heirs of God, tagapagmana. And there's an inheritance. And what's interesting is I found a particular article wherein a dog inherits millions from the, do- from the dog owner. You know, millions of dollars. You know, a, a little chihuahua named Conchita received millions of dollars of inheritance. The daughter of the famous American businessman, philanthropist Victor Posner, Gail Posner, uh, would like to gift her chihuahua with, you know, nice Cartier necklace worth $15,000. Wow. And uh, she has her own bedroom and bathroom, her own spa treatments, and a nice Cadillac. When Gail passed away, she left $3 million and a beachfront to Conchita and her two other sister chihuahuas. With $5 million to the housekeeper just to make sure that the chihuahuas are able to be taken care of. What a blessed housekeeper. Unfortunately, Posner's son, in comparison, was only left with $1 million. I'm not really sure if she adopted the chihuahua legally and she received the rights or full heirs of his or of her estate. But what an odd story. But you know, when, when you talk about our inheritance as children of God, in the Hebrew law, the eldest son, how many of you are the eldest, firstborn? Please raise your hand, firstborn, okay? You get two-thirds of the estate. Praise God. But I am a Filipino, I'm not a Hebrew. And the rest, the one-third, is divided among the siblings. Not with God. With God, everybody gets equal. Share. Local person beside you. Walang awayan, okay? Equal share in our inheritance with God. Same. With you, same with me. doesn't matter if I'm a pastor and you're, you know, uh, a housewife. It doesn't matter. We got the same inheritance. Bill Gates happens to be the world's second richest man now. Used to be the first. Jeff Bezos overtook him with a hundred plus million, a billion dollars. His worth is now about 96 or I think 98.5 billion net worth. They're running uh, what you call the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And according to the record, they actually have about $50 billion endowment for the foundation. These are the three children of Bill and Melinda Gates. And Bill has gone on record saying that each of his three children will inherit only about $10 million each. Uh, The billions, he said will not go to them. It will go to the people of the world. Melinda said, it's not fair that we have so much wealth when billions of others have so little. We want to strike a balance where they have the freedom to do anything, but not a lot of money showered on them so that they could go out and do nothing. And the rest of the money will be given to charitable causes. 
if you're the children of Bill and Melinda Gates, would you be thankful for having parents like them? Something to think about. They're mindful of the world, not only of their kids. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. What this means is like the law is like a tutor or a guardian for us, not meant to save us, but it's only meant to guide us. It was meant given to the Jews in order for the, when the, when the actual gospel, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ would appear, then they would be set free from that law. It's kind of like, you know, our kids when they were at home, we would set rules uh, in the home. We would tell them what to do, what to eat, what to, uh, what to wear, who to associate with, uh, you know, brush your teeth, you know, uh, comb your hair, fix your bed, you know, wash the dishes. And so we, we drilled them with that growing up. But as parents, we're not to train them and do that perpetually. A time will come wherein they will actually become adolescents and adults and they will leave the house and they will be on their own. And this is what the law was. It was only like a training wheel for them. It was only meant to guide them, a tutor for a while until the gospel, when the gospel comes, and that is the one that can actually save them. The law was actually meant to give them like guidelines for a living, but not to give them salvation. In fact, this is why the Apostle Paul was always rebuke, was rebuking the Galatians because, you know, you foolish Galatians, you've been saved already. Why go back to the law? Because some of the Galatian Jews are saying that, in order, you know, the gospel is like elementary school. The, the law is like graduate school. So you have to go to the graduate school. And, and the Apostle Paul is trying to do a reverse. He was explaining, no. The law is like, you know, the gospel is actually like PhD. And what you're saying to the people is you go back to kindergarten by obeying the law. And so nobody can actually be saved from the law. And so the Apostle Paul was trying to debunk the myths and the thoughts of this. The law was just meant to be given to us to be guardians for a while, to tutor us. When you, when you see the adoption, the adoption really is the work of the triune God, the Holy Trinity. Now be quick with this. The Trinity is at work in our adoption First, we see that the adoption is an initiative of the Father. In fact, it's not the wish of the adopted child to choose which parent to adopt him. It is the option of the parent to choose which child to adopt. And the Father is the one that chose and opted to, uh, to adopt us. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In fact, we will see that in this particular verse, there's a twofold sending process that God the Father did for us. First, He sent His Son. Second, He sent His Spirit in verse 6. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son. He did not only send Jesus for us. He made sure that we understand that He wants us. It's not enough for me to initiate. It's not enough for me to just you know, start it. I want to be able to accomplish it through my son and I want to be able to assure you through my Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the Trinity, the Trinity, three, three for Trinity, the three, 
Three persons. The three persons of the Trinity. Yun. Trinity. Hala. Come on. <laughs> we need to see that the Father is the source and the initiator of both the adoption process and the accomplishment. That's why we see this a very familiar verse. To all who received, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. God initiated this. It is not your desire to look for God. It is not our desire to be part of the kingdom. It is not our desire to be changed. God was the one who wanted us. God was the one who was looking for us. Nobody was looking for God, Romans chapter 3 says. No one, you know, was minding. Everyone was minding his own business. It was God who searched for us and then he found us. Charles Spurgeon said, who is to have the authority in the matter of glorious adoption or gracious adoption? The children of wrath? Surely not. And yet all men are such. No, it stands to reason, to common sense, that none but the parent can have the discretion to adopt. J.I. Packer said this, the New Testament gives us two yardsticks for measuring the love of God. The first yardstick is the cross of Christ. We know that. And we see that in the first John chapter 4, verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You want to know what love is? This is what love is. We're very familiar with that song. You want to know what love is? This is what love is. This is love. God loved us first by sending His Son, Jesus. You want to know how much God loves us? Boom. The cross. But the second yardstick or the second measurement is the yardstick of the gift of sonship. Not only did He stop with making sure that you and I are forgiven, but He went on forward and said, I want to adopt you. You're mine. I'm going to bring you with me forever. We're going to be a family. We're going to have fun together. We're going to be, I'm going to establish my relationship with you as a son, as a daughter. We're going to, we're going to walk together. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love. Again, two loves, two yardsticks. No, single love, two yardsticks. What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. You know, we have been so sometimes so fast in just glancing this truth. But the Apostle John is saying, in another translation, don't just look at it, gaze upon it. Behold it. I seem like, stop. You know, have, have you ever visited a museum and you're so you know, amazed with this particular piece of artifact and you can't, you can't leave and you can't move forward because you're just beholden. With this, you know, when we went to Smithsonian, we were looking at this world's biggest diamond. I said, whoa. And I, I went around that area and I was looking at each facet of the diamond. I said, wow, this is so nice. I didn't wish I had it, but you know, I, I was just amazed. And God is saying, behold what kind of love. Look at it from different angles. Behold it. Appreciate the fact that you and I have been adopted and you're co-heirs with Christ. And you have an inheritance. You're a son. You're a daughter. Don't be guilty of overspeeding. Theological overspeeding. What do you call that? You know, I, 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 I actually had a confession this morning. 
uh, I received a ticket from the city of Parinaque uh, for uh, beating the red light. I didn't realize that, uh, you know, the policemen don't even stop you anymore. And they actually just send you a bill. They send you a bill. And so I said, whoa! And, I, and you could not even register without you settling this with LTO. And it's been proven there's like a, a camera that catches you if you're over speeding or you're beating the red light. And so, you know, my dad said, okay, just go there and, you know, try to find out if that's accurate. And if not, then you got to pay. <laughs> so, so, you know, my point is this, you know, sometimes we are so in a hurry to get to, I remember that night, I was actually going to visit my mom. I was so in a hurry. I was just passing through, you know, you know, sometimes we actually just are in a hurry to realize and to savor the fact that God loves us so much that He went the extra mile to give His Son to initiate this adoption and to lavish His love for all of us. Let's not be in a hurry. We're all in a journey, guys. Church, this is a journey. This is a marathon. You know, there's no, you know, running, uh, you know, sprints here. It's, 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 a long, it's a long race. Enjoy the journey. You know, I am guilty of this. Every time I go to a journey, you know, you know, a certain distance or a destination, I would just put ways. And all I'm thinking about is to finish the journey. I could not even enjoy the journey. But sometimes what you need to do is, you know, like from time to time, I would actually ask someone to drive with me and I would sit on the passenger seat and not drive. And I would pass the same direction, but I would notice different things. Because for the first time, I would glance and look and behold. You notice things because you are not in a hurry. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Initiated by the Father, accomplished by the Son, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus is the one who made sure that the wish of the Father is accomplished through His birth, Christmas Day. The reason why we have Christmas is because of the Father. The Father wants it. And Jesus made sure that, okay, I'm going to be a baby. I'm going to be born as a baby. And He went on to accomplish it. The Son of God became a man so that men can become sons of God. He did it for us. Christ's coming has an atoning purpose and an adoptive purpose as well. He paid for the penalty of our sins and He also allowed us to become children of God. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We read this earlier. Galatians chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 22 is a, a familiar verse for us or a story rather. This was Abraham when God told him <coughs> to sacrifice his son Isaac. God told Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son you love, and sacrifice him on the mountain. Abraham was willing, but God said, okay, stop. Don't do it. I've proven your love for me. Here's a ram. But we see that the same particular statement was repeated in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. While he was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped him and he, a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. In him I was well pleased. Similar love of the father for a son, Abraham, with God. Abraham's son, Isaac, was spared. 
Jesus was not spared. He died and he was sacrificed so that you and I can actually be atoned for and forgiven from our sins and adopted as sons and daughters of God. Thomas Watson said, Adoption is a greater mercy than Adam had in paradise. Initiation of the Father, accomplishment of the Son, and lastly, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We see the triune God, the Trinity, no, the Trinity, working it out for our adoption. Galatians 4, 67, And because you are sons, now that we are sons, now that you've received what Jesus Christ did, God sent His Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee that, you know, we will never question our sonship again. That is what it means. Into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You are sons. This is our identity. We can cry out, Abba, Father. This talks about our intimacy. And we are heirs through God. It talks about our inheritance in Him. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.vicryalabang.church. Thank you.